Welcome back to the shed. We are still here on a beautiful sunny day in late May, enjoying ourselves. We've decided that we can manage our social distancing effectively enough to be in the same space. I guess if we suddenly go radio silent, you can reevaluate that choice for us. For the moment, we feel we're pretty good about our distancing controls, and we're happy to be back here. So sit back, settle in, do whatever it is you normally do while listening to us, and here we go. 90 episodes, holy shit. 9-0-0. Yeah, you know, Squarespace limited you to 100 episodes, and uh, they removed the limit, but it was weird. Like, it removes some of your good liner notes and stuff. Oh. But I went to look, and it looks like there were a lot of people complaining, some big YouTubers, or big, sorry, big podcasters. So I think we're good. We're good for 300 episodes now. Awesome. Nice. Actually, us here, we're awesome for 300 episodes. We're awesome for as many episodes as we ever do. We're awesome every damn time. I'm going to check how many people are uh, watching the videos because I'm thinking, why do I, I have to do a bit of editing work. I know I could just not do the editing work, but I feel like I should. So I might just stop posting the videos if nobody's watching. Well, we won't have a video for these episodes. Um, And I have been looking and... The first one we did got about less than 50 views, got 48, I think. And the mm-hmm. next two got around 20 each. Yeah. The last one you released as of yesterday, I believe had got 20 views. Oh, so it is getting looked at. Yeah. I don't know who exactly, but somebody is looking at them. And hopefully it doesn't, when I go back in a few times, hopefully it doesn't count those as three or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not actually looking at the videos. I'm just going to the subscription page oh, okay. and seeing okay. how many they've been viewed. All right. I, I guess don't I'll, keep, pollute the I'll keep doing them when we do them then. Yeah. Well, we may have to do them like I'll be, I'll be isolated right, for right. two weeks. So yeah. Plus you never know. There might be another tightening again. Yeah. Cause yeah. Well, here's one for you boys. You know, they're starting to open things up. There's a couple of questions around this, but one of them is very personal to me. As you will recall, I'm a professional driver who's currently on hiatus. Is that right? If they, yeah. <laughs> Have I mentioned that? I don't know. <laughs> if they were to call me next week and say, we're going to open, re- reinstate the shuttle service for, say, June 15th. Yes. Do I go? Right. Because that's a high risk. Uh, well, I don't even know. I do believe it is. You're inside a closed car. Okay. Yeah, so really then, high. well, I just don't know. Related question. What how do you, mean you don't know? So Me and I, Moby are telling you it's high yeah. risk. You in particular, I can't help. Well, it's clo- but, but all the articles are saying closed and closed environments. That's why, why we have all these windows open here and we're quite distant, but a car is much Close down, people are only four feet back from you. Yeah, at maximum, yes. And that air, I mean, you're going to have your fresh air on. Uh, well, well on a rainy day. Should I? I'm going, well, no, no, but if you're going to do fresh air, it doesn't matter what. You're going to do fresh air rain, in the car. I'm you know, telling you, you're going to do I've fresh air. But I've seen a lot of taxi cabs go by and the drivers aren't wearing masks. Well, now, so, I don't know about right now, but they were like a. So oh, I understand a and yeah. don't disagree with what you're saying at all. The, the given knowledge is uh, distancing. Hand washing, masks in that order. And are there's also the, given knowledge about enclosed environments. That would be akin to distancing. If we had every window in this place closed that are six feet apart, how much worse off are we? I'm yeah, because sure. from what I've read is, um, yes, you're much worse. Yeah. From what I've read is like, uh, if you're out in a breezy area. Yeah. For, for one thing, remember, I don't know about you, but the first time a jogger came by me quite yeah. close- and I know how much air they're pumping out. And I'm thinking, oh man, yeah, that's, well, why don't you wear a mask? And of course it's hard to wear a mask if you're exercising. Pretty much impossible. And then from, you know, I listened to an interview of a medical, what do you call it? Give me the epidemiologist. An epidemiologist. Thank you. Uh, who happens to jog as well. So perhaps they're a little biased and they're going, no, 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 you're not going to get sick from a jogging, a jogger running by you. That whole social distancing thing is like, remember I came over and visited you. We stayed roughly two meters apart, which is a good thing, but we're out in the breeze. Mm. That's way safer than indoors. So I don't disagree, but my problem is how much is way? I, I can say quite confidently that being in a car with people for, they also have given time limits. How long? 
because you need to be with someone for a little while. And the more COVID molecules enter your virions, as we like to call them, uh, enter your lungs, the higher your impact will be. It's not just the higher your chances of getting sick. It turns out you won't just get the light symptoms. You'll be, you know, get heavy, heavy symptoms. And you're going, yeah, you don't know how much more. I'm going to say a lot more, <laughs> enough more. And I, You I, don't want to be in a closed well, car with people who may, especially if they're, there's no requirement for them to wear a mask. You could have a sign on it. You must wear a mask. And I don't disagree, but I, my problem is the whole trying to quantify to get some idea because as you both know, we run risks just by existing. Yeah. But I mean, and this one sounds like it's a big risk. Yeah. And I, I just don't know. I, I tend to agree my, my, well, when it comes to your life, you want to do more than tend to agree. I think you would just go like, do your reading on it. General statements that have been made, it's high risk. Oh, okay. You go ahead because you can't prove well, anything. Just, so, well, neither can you. You're doing the stuff that you typically get so annoyed at me about. You're saying way more. Do your reading. That's a lot. But there's nothing you're telling me that is substantiated in numbers. Oh, I'll send you some links for sure. Yeah. And I, and I'll send they, you some they, links they for sure say, that are from epidemiologists. Yes, but they won't say your risk increases by this percent. For instance, how effective are the masks? Well, for instance, how effective is social distancing? I don't know. Well, then why are you doing it? Because it has some effect. Well, that's what I'm saying is the the links I send you will tell you very clearly that there is some effect. Or put another way, doing social distancing in this kind of context doesn't cost me anything. So I'm willing to do it because Uh, even if the risk is terribly small, it's nothing. So when it comes down to getting a livelihood. Yeah. If, if, say for instance, I needed that shuttle money. Yes. What level of risk am I willing to entertain to get it? Yeah. How do I compute that level of risk? It's a combination of distancing, bad in a car, just as you say. Fresh air, bad on a rainy day in a car, just as you say. Mask, I might be the only one wearing one. How effective is the mask? And then hand washing, probably irrelevant because I'm only going to touch the wheel and the thing and I'm not going to touch, people are going to get themselves in and out of that car, right? But I can't get my head around and then when you put that against the background of your day-to-day risk of, you know, whatever, struck by lightning, struck by a meteor, struck by a car, dropped from a heart attack, whatever, every day you run a background risk that you either are aware of or not of ceasing to exist by the end of that day, what is the increment? If it's 0.0001%, eh, maybe I'll run the, run the table. If it's like 15% likely that you're going to get it or more likely that you're going to get it. And again, you start with what's the likelihood that you're going to get it at all? And what is the delta in that likelihood? I think for I'll preventing? send you some material. I yeah. think, I think you'll agree by the time you're done reading it, that, uh, that your risk is much higher. I mean, you go through your life making decisions on things that are not quantifiable. Yeah. Um, KJ could have been a town crier down on the downtown east side. He thinks about that a bit. Is this a good idea? You yourself make a lot of decisions in life without being able to quantify it. Yes, you do. And and again, I'm not, I'll just repeat my, my opening position is now that'd be stupid to risk my life for $15 an hour. It's just when I start to think about it, what is my increment of risk yeah. of losing my life. And I just can't get a handle really. Yeah. You won't be able to, you won't get a number. Uh, but even if it's a lot and it's, I don't know if it's a lot, it's some, but for instance. So think about the places where people are really getting sick yeah. and think about what do they all have in common? Well, as an example of that kind of thinking, Jason Kenny's in the paper saying in Alberta, they got to open up. And he's constructing his justification by saying 95% of everybody that's died in Alberta is over 83. And he says the average life expectancy in Alberta is 82. Your chances of dying of COVID in Alberta, if you are less than, I can't remember what the number was, but some year number, 65 or 60, is 0.006. And I, I couldn't even figure out whether that's, what is that? Is that six tenths of 1%? What, what is 0.006? But he's, he's making a pitch to say that the way the fatalities break down demographically, you're, you're sort of relatively safe outside certain demographics. I don't know if I agree with that. And it's certainly not a rationale for opening stuff up. 
but it does lend itself to a conversation about someone my age, what's their delta in risk of death? If, if what he's saying is true, 95% or over 83, oh, well, and that means I have to look at the number of deaths in a population of less than whatever. And, and then, then now you really are into, gee, what are the odds of dying from my flu inoculation, a bad rela- reaction to a, what are the odds of all the things that I do take for granted and don't quantify and just decide I'm willing to accept? Because I need to be able to compare somehow the stuff that I'm willing to accept to this new thing. That's, that's really where I'm hmm. at. Another one I'll send you a link is the excess deaths graphs. Cause they give you a feel for, mm-hmm. they show you how deaths many, in general. How many they expect to die in a year and what it's doing now. Yeah. And, and the so you can way s- higher than yeah. what they're reporting. Yeah. The yes. Deaths. Yeah. In some countries it's not bad. It's not far off In other places it's way off like Italy. Yeah. And, yeah. Now skinny, let's, yeah, let's say you did the research and you decided that it was not safe for you to do that. And they said, we'd like you back July 15th. And you said, I'm not comfortable coming back uh, July 15th. And they said, well, then we don't want you anymore. Yeah, that's what, that's what I expect them to say. Because part of this emerging class business is that, oh, you don't want to come back to work? Okay, well, we'll there's a million back. where you came from. So, okay, see ya. Is that legal? A hundred. It's yeah. my choice whether I go no, back to work. No, but for is it legal for them to say uh, you lose your job then? As far as I know, yes, because as far as... So in the restaurant I went to last night, they're legally required to do all of that stuff, right? They're also legally required, I'm sure, to do something about their employees in a restaurant scenario. Like people are wearing masks that are behind the counters. They're probably legally required to provide their employees with some form of protective well, equipment. I don't think this hurts your point at all, but I think it's not necessarily legal. Yeah, but that's the question, It's right? more like, and BC in particular has been on the side of giving recommendations and not laws. Yeah. But but there may be some regulations or whatnot, because, I don't really know. Because if it's not regulated, then your choice to not go back to work is your choice. Mm-hmm. We are offering you a job. You are choosing not to take it. That's on you. Yeah, I think they us. could fire you because you're not unionized for one Well, I, I think they, they don't even have to. They'll just say, you you don't want to come back to work? Okay, well, we're going to get somebody else. So just so you know, your job is no longer there. Yeah, I think that that's called firing, yeah. I, I, was, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Was your server at the restaurant wearing a mask? Yeah. Oh, they were? Yeah. How about a customer? Well, of course not. The customers are eating. Yeah, customers were eating. It was the whole thing. It's just pretty interesting. And that, that particular thing though, you know, where the company says, we feel that it is not life-threatening for you to come back to work. And so we want you to come back to work. And the employee says, yeah, well, you're not the one getting coughed on at the front door of every place you knock. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. I'm not the one getting coughed on. You're the one who needs this job if you don't want it. And all the drivers are over 60, aren't they? Oh, it's shuttle business they are, yeah. yeah. Shuttle business is all old fossils. And as, as a lot of those drivers decide not to come back to work, they're going to be forced to hire older and older. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like 83-year-old people driving. Hunched way down the little wheel. On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this posture. I always joke this. You can't see it, listeners, but if you see a driver with, they appear to be leading with their chin as they drive, they, they, or they're looking through the bottom of their bifocals as they drive, give them lots of space. That's typically somebody who is struggling to feel like they're in control of that vehicle. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a thing, that whole conversation about, you know, benefits. So CERB, I am receiving the CERB benefit because I did lose my job as a result of COVID. And so that's really great. If they call me next week, and I don't want to go in, I don't think I'm entitled to serve anymore. That's, I think that's correct. And yeah. you sort of think, wow, so we're not exactly sure how to calculate risk. We have no vaccine. We don't really know too conclusively about the various vulnerabilities in various demographics, but we're basically saying, yeah, no, you got to go back to work. <laughs> Just, I, don't, I don't think you get cut off, Serb. I think you do. 
Uh, well, could, not if not if you think it's dangerous. Oh, that's an interesting um, take. I'd be interested to know. I, yeah, that might be true. I yeah. think so. But what do I know? I'm also it, that rings a bell. Sir. Good. Yeah, that rings a bell. I mean, there's a lot of honor system stuff, and I've read a few articles that say the CRA will ultimately catch up to you. Yes. And so the question is, yeah, can you make a claim that says, hey, I didn't want this job. It's dangerous, and furthermore. It'll be interesting if they would actually offer you danger pay because some per, some work yeah. they do. It's probably just a nickel, well, you know, but honestly, still, it'd be interesting st- to know. It really would. When I started down the track of thinking about what happens if the dealership phones, my first thought was, yeah, give me 25 bucks an hour instead of 15 and we'll talk. And then I thought about it a little bit more and I thought, really? You're willing to risk your life for 25 bucks, but not 15? Like, where's your head at? You know? So in other words, the whole argument we just, the whole conversation we just had about me wanting to understand risks, really, I get that in the end, it's just a pretty stupid idea to go back for almost any amount of money into a closed space like that. But it is an interesting exercise to try to figure out those, because that's what's happening across the whole world today. So people are trying to figure out their need for a job versus the risk they yeah. feel they are experiencing. Yeah, All over yeah. the world, people are trying to sort that out. Mm-hmm. Big companies, they're quite anxious to tell their employees they're not really risking anything because big companies are struggling madly in a market that's shut down, right? They yeah, want I mean, I don't know if I've heard of any cases where the company claims they won't be at risk, but... They, they just say the risk is manageable and, you know, like for instance, in the United States, the... Meatpacking plants. Well, they're, they're, they're guys that wrote the original guidelines said, you must do this and you must do that and you must do the other, right? You must have this kind of distance. You must provide this kind of PPE. You must, must, must. And the Trump administration revisited that document and changed it all into, we recommend, we recommend, we recommend. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of that revisit is to remove legal obligation from employers. Mm-hmm. So the employers can simply say, well, yeah, no, we definitely followed the recommendations, but, uh, you know, we tried and we didn't, we didn't get it a hundred percent. And you just know that many employers are making zero effort and it's just a form of, it's your life being risked, not the, not the boards and the board wants action. So yeah, I mean, you go. the employers that I interact with, which is a fairly narrow set, all are clearly making efforts. And I would expect your guys would make some effort as well. Although from what you've talked about, they're a little bit in the Neanderthal class. They really class. are. And it would be, it will be very interesting to me to see what, if anything, they do do. I honestly oh. don't think they're going to open that service up anytime soon. I know what you can do. You get uh, army transport vans where you're just sitting in the cab and you got everybody in the back. Yes. Yes. Sitting by yourself, playing the radio. Yeah. I think that <laughs> makes sense. You need a new vehicle, Skinny. Or... I wonder if they do An SUV that. with plexiglass. Yeah, just a Volkswagen. You know what? I always wanted them to have a Volkswagen van, like yeah. an old one yeah. with the big, long throw stick shift, you know, that get one of those. Actually. A Samba van with a divider. You know, I know they sound like the kind of people who are actually hard to suggest ideas to. Oh, they're, yes. But if they do call you, you could consider saying, you know what? I would consider doing it if we used large vans and only carried people in the back row. Because then there's enough yeah. distance and you can even have the windows open a crack and certainly the fan on full and stuff like that. Yeah. So. I honestly just don't think they're going to start it up until there's a vaccine. They'd be yeah. insane too. Because really, when you think about it, it's a courtesy. But if somebody's car needs to be repaired to keep its warranty or because it's broken, they're coming in whether they're getting a courtesy ride or not. Mm. And the courtesy ride costs them something, costs them the vehicle and the salary, right? So they're not experiencing that. I just think I'll be surprised if they call me anytime in the near future. I went to the eye doctor yesterday. And? And uh, that there was uh, just giving an example of the, what are they doing that's different. And and you can imagine most healthcare settings, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. And so all the receptionists at the eye doctor here, it's in New West, they all have plexiglass in front of them, small slots at the bottom, you hand stuff through and you try and be careful and stuff. They're pretty good about calling you. They tell you before you show up, please wear a mask in. And dude shows up after me and he goes up and I hear her say, oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're actually a half an hour early. So we're asking you to, to actually 
um, go somewhere else, do whatever you need to and come back, uh, much closer to the time of your appointment. They're just trying to, mm-hmm. and that guy's going, well, I'm just going to go sit over here. And so she tried her best yeah. and he's just like, nope. So there's just like, that's uh, that's the people like I'm always claiming those people don't exist. Sort of. I'm always saying, well, are people really doing that? Well, you know, unfortunately I got to watch somebody do that. Yeah. The level of entitlement is pretty off the charts in some respects. It really is shocking yeah, to I mean, see people just won't play. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like everybody won't play. You'll see good yeah. person after person after person, but then there's the ones that do this really stand out and you get your impression that, yeah. Yeah. And they, and you feel you, uh, to me, I always form an impression that they are like this. If it wasn't a pandemic, it'd be something else. Yeah. They're always going to be that guy, yeah. you know? So I well, what do you mean? Can't I just go in? I'm here early. So is the doctor actually doing something? You know, that they're always going to be that guy. So I'm there at the eye doctor and they do the three stages. You guys go get your, this is the ophthalmologist office. So this is a little different than your normal checking your eyes for glasses. So stage one is the read the little letters. Nailed it. <laughs> oh. Read them all. I got prescription glasses. I left them in the theater and it's been a year. So I just assume there's no hope to get them back. They're like 400 bucks and I'm not on a plan. So, so yeah. So I read them, like I read them all and it didn't occur to me, wait a minute, I'm reading every single letter in previous times. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been I've able had to, to ever struggle. I've never my whole life done that. And then I'm trying to be funny guy. I'm just saying little things to see if I can catch them off guard and get them <laughs> laughing or something. And I said, uh, oh, I see there's a big 20. I thought it was a technical 20. I go, oh, I see that 20 down there. She goes, yeah, 2020. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. Huh. But I have a cloudy eye. Like I got the floaters. Everybody does at our age. Well, but more than, yeah. Anyway. So does, are you saying your eyes have improved? Yes. Huh? The last time I got checked for glasses, the guy gave me glasses, but they were less powerful than the time before. And now, so I think it's going to overshoot, right? (laughs) Like like I started kind of blurry. I've never had terrible sight, but blurry enough, then less blurry, now perfect. I'm assuming that it's going to keep going in the other direction. Well, won't it become that your near vision suffers, but your far vision is awesome? Now, KJ, looking down the list here, Mm. I see something about your quadraphonic stereo Mm. and uh, in the seventies, I remember it being extremely excited about quadrophenia and hoping that I could ever get, so you had one, I understand. Mm. I want to hear all about it. Well, I remember whatever it was, I think it was 575. It was what we got in the tank rooms to start 575 an hour, huge money, huge money. And I had it in mind. Oh, well, this was around the time I was working steady nights, right? I'd quit school, went back to school in September after working at Cominco, but I only needed two courses, I think English and chemistry, to graduate. I asked Cominco if they'd let me work steady night shift and go to school in the day, which I did for a little bit of time there. Anyway, so I'm making all this money, so I think so, I, and I have it in my mind to buy a quad stereo, and I went down to a, a money lending place. They gave me a loan, of course, because I've got this paycheck, Yeah, enough money, I go and buy the stereo, and I think, I don't know if they threw something in or if I actually bought them, but I bought Art Rubenstein playing The Rock 3, I think, it's the or is it The 5? It's, the, it's familiar in the my head. The difficult one. Yeah, the very crazy one. What else did I have? I I think I only had three albums. And they were literally quadraphonic albums. Yes. So you purposely sought out yes. quadraphonic source material. They might have actually given me one to go with the stereo. Yeah, yeah. Toss which, it in. Which wh- who, who would have sold that to me in Trail? Rock Island. I was just going to say that. Rock Island yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Um, which is not on a rock. No. On an island. Yeah. But they were always Rock Island. And I don't know that there's anything more to tell after that. I don't know what happened to it in the end. Well, okay. So how was the sound? Like, did you go, oh my God. Is it God, life changing? Yeah. This is so amazing. I can hear it behind me, in front of me, to the left, to the right. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, because your ears or Mike's ears or Rob's ears might have been a little bit different. But there was a little joystick, right? 
Oh. So you could go speaker to speaker. <laughs> nice. Which is, you know. So you get the headphone effect only without headphones. You get, but it, but that's half the fun, just a, a little oh, something to play funny. with while you're doing this. I think that was it. I think that's why it didn't last all that long. I mean, of course, surround sound came in big and then, what, late 90s or early 2000s? Yeah. From stereo, because they wanted it for a part was, of your movie, watching movies. It was movies. TV, yeah. It was movies and TV, yeah. yeah. But back then, it was it was huge. Wasn't there an album by The Who called Quadrophenia? Yeah, Quadrophenia was the album, and Quadraphonic is the sound. Was Quadrophenia a quad album, though? Was it released I'll as a quad album? I bet you it was, it but we'll, we'll have to, our listeners can fact version. check that. Yeah. Well, three or four months from now, Rob from Saskatoon will let us know, because <laughs> he'll know that. Because he, I think he momentarily had a quad yeah, I think he did, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if everybody's experience was momentary. Because that's funny. If the whole thing is, you know, the headphone effect. It's rock and roll gimmick number 23, where the sound goes from one headphone and then back yes. and forth. It's going like right through my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> if that's all you can do with a quadraphonic stereo, then I'm thinking, yeah, yeah no wonder yeah. it went. Yep. But the LPs were somehow encoded. That's what's so interesting. There's only one groove. There's a left and a right side of the yeah. groove. But they did have a method that would allow it to encode it and then decode it in the stereo it'd be uh, i think I, I think i'm going to see a little research project for myself because mm. it's kind of fascinating and there were also quadraphonic tapes and of course that's much more straightforward mm-hmm. just uh for i think there's ev- tracks yeah yeah even an eight track tape I, th- I think they had a trick where there was no just way less songs on the tape yeah way, you're using way more tracks it was half song. as long yeah. and it was using yeah yeah. Well, I do remember that the four speakers were in the four corners of the bedroom <laughs> and that we would, the first thing you do. <laughs> Turn is, on the black light. <laughs> is, you, is you put a chair in the middle of the room just to see. Just oh, of to course. Do the watch, test, right? watch me fry this because, egg. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, you know, because everybody, there's three beds in there. I don't know. Jerry oh would have God. been gone by that, but that Tom really... was still there, but. You know, everybody just sit on the beds when we're hanging around. So it wasn't. Do you know, I never, ever once was in there. Not really? once. No, never oh came in there. Well, no, but PJ, you were probably in Jute's bedroom quite a bit. Yep. So back in the day. That, Deep purple, baby. Yeah. So Jute had all the black light posters on the wall and the black lights. Could and, you smoke pot in his room? Uh, no, typically it would be out on the trail. Yep, outside, go down the trail. The cow path. Yep. And then go into the... Yeah, and listen to Deep Purple, Machine and, Head. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and it was so good. Let's face it. It was amazing it was experience. Awesome. Really, it's just... He also had Iron Man. Whoever did Iron Man. I remember that's the yeah. first time I heard that a whole maiden, bunch of times. Something Maiden? Iron Black Maiden? Oh, Iron Man? Well, Black uh, Sabbath, uh, Iron Man. Yeah, Black yeah. Sabbath. Uh, Paranoid was the album. No, I do remember that quite clearly, but I never was in your room with your fabulous stereo. I never was that guy. And then we'd all just crumble a little bit. They'd eat their lunches, you know, Cromer would have his tongue sandwiches. <laughs> and we'd all bop back into the school, you know, just high as a case for the, the, and then we only had two periods in the second, in yeah. the afternoon. Croner would often come to my house after school and we'd watch Star Trek together or whatever. The watching of the Star Trek reruns. The, the, the all-important 3.30 to 5.30 time yes, slot. Yes, yeah. That's where all your cultural education actually got done because yeah. evenings were sporadic because, A, you didn't control the TV. You know, if Gordy wanted to watch the ball game, you're not getting to watch Star Trek, the end. And, B, you've got homework and sports things to do. But the 3.30 to 5.30, baby, that's you. So, yeah. listeners, we're looking for your experiences with uh, quadraphonic stereos back in the day. Well, and, and those of you who, like RJ, were early adopters of digital sound, I want to hear about that, too. That, uh, was it Roberta Flack? Oh, well, you're thinking digital. I think what you mean is direct-to-disc. That is exactly what I mean. Yes. Direct-to-disc. I remember that. And I remember believing it was a revelation, too. It was way cleaner. It was really good. It was way uh, It cleaner. wasn't Roberta Flack. Thelma but, Houston. Yeah, Thelma Houston. Yeah. Uh, got no music in my life, something like that. But I'd play it, and Skin and I lived together in Calgary, and I had my BIC speakers. I was time very, windows. Very proud. I was before the time oh, windows. Was it? I was very proud of my stereo, and people would come over, and I'd put that album on and crank it. <laughs> One day after like two months, Skin goes, you know, 
Do we really have to keep listening to that album? <laughs> we got to get one more album that has that kind of sound. Because there wasn't any. Like they, It was a thing for about 15 minutes. And about yeah. three guys released albums, and that was Still it. going on. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, there would have been hundreds of albums back then. Oh, but there were a, there was a narrow set, you're right. And that, that Thelma Houston and Pressure Cooker, that was the name yeah. of the, her backing band, that was the seminal, like one of the yeah. biggest ones, the direct-to-disc albums. But they still make them today. Oh, really? And, and listeners, direct-to-disc is nothing more than people have to record live, so you can't layer it, you can't have multi-track, you just sit there, you got to rehearse, 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 and now you're going to play the album live. While you're playing, it goes direct from your microphone through the amps out to a record cutting system. To cut the master. To cut the master record. So the LP is literally being, the, the master is literally being made with the vibrations and the grooves. And then that's it. And then there will be big gaps between each song because the musicians all all have to go, you know, they just like, oh my God, you know, and they they just take a breath. You ready? They they go again right away. They got to go because you can't pull that needle out of the groove. It'll be a big kathunk. So they just got to keep going through one side. And then once you've done a side, okay, guys, let's go out and have, let's have another joint. Let's eat or whatever they do. And then, okay, time to start the next one. It's very cool. So listening to those albums is kind of fun from that perspective. When you think about it, it's live. It's There's no chance to kind of fix mistakes and stuff. Well, and I don't recall, it's been a long time since I heard it, but I don't recall errors or any weirdness. It just sounded like a regular album, but there, it sounded cleaner because I guess there's no post. There's no merging tracks together. There's no machine machinery sound from the various steps that you would go through to merge tracks together and there's no tape yeah there's no no tape hiss yeah which has to get removed and yeah all of it um but i don't recall there being you know people coughing or swearing because they missed a note or stuff like that there's none of that either that i recall it's just fun all right that was a good one where did that come from how did we get to there oh the quadraphonic sound of course Yeah, I want to hear if anybody else had those. I wouldn't be surprised if actually somebody out there knew what I did with that in the end. Like if I sold it to somebody or... Yeah, ultimately somebody must have bought it, right? Did, did you have an 8-track at home? I had an 8-track for a while. Yeah. Mike Mike of Patton Mike of Rossland, Pinewood, gave me an old one he had. I put it in a 68 Volvo 142 that was my second car. I remember that, I'm pretty sure. That was a great car. I had one tape. Steve Miller Band, <laughs> Fly Like an Eagle. Really? All the way from Rossland to Calgary. No, I just kept playing. Okay. I used to know every single word I believe that. that album came out in 1974. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. It was Steve Miller Band, Fly Like, and it had yeah. Hot Chili. It had... Okay, yeah. Oh, man. Huh. And I listened to the, just, I only had the one tape. And how did you find it though? It was great. I, I yeah. liked the thing. Yeah. And the tape, you know, I didn't, I was no, I never have been a sound aficionado at all. I, it's huh. just like coffee. Coffee's coffee, sound is sound. I just don't yeah. get it. Well, you know? I, so I was good with it. I just remember never having a complaint about eight tracks. Yeah. I think occasionally they got eaten. Yeah. But just generally how cool it would be, like Rob had his little eight track stereo in his bedroom and you go in there and choose from the the eight or so cartridges he had to choose from. One of them being Woodstock. I think he had two, he needed two cartridges for the soundtrack. Popping them in there and listening and just thinking, this is great. I mean, you're not going, oh, that's the most amazing sound I've ever heard, but it's fine. I had for quite a while in the eighties, the late 80s, I had a 77 Pontiac Parisienne with a factory-installed tape deck. A cassette deck? A-track. A-track. Oh, factory-installed factory A-track. I had a few tapes. They, these came from my first wife's dad, and among the tapes was a big band tape, and I was familiar with a lot of the music on it because we played it in high school. Sing, sing, sing. Man, did it sound great. Like the, re- the other stuff sounded eh, whatever, like the radio or something. But that particular tape, 
it must have been the demo tape or something for the stereo at the dealership because it sounded terrific in that car. It's the best thing. When that car went, I actually salvaged the stereo, the 8-track out of it just because of that one. I never used it again. It was a, turned out to be a fruitless effort, but because that one tape sounded so fantastic that I'd love to have this stuck in some other car that I'm going to get now. Another classic tape, uh, 8-track tape was Deep Purple Smoke on the Water. <laughs> Yeah. That one, my experience of that was primarily cassette as opposed to yeah, track. Yeah. There's a lot of, I'm pretty sure a lot of cassettes went to their deaths with deep purple. I hitchhiked to Christina Lake on one time and a guy picked me up with an eight track deck and he played smoke on the water, you know, <laughs> highway star yeah. and he drove way too fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I spent a year hitchhiking from Rosslyn to Castlegar to go to school. Cause I had a car, the one that the Barons gave me and it didn't last too long. Yeah. So I was hitchhiking and boy, I had some fun rides. Same sort of thing. Guy picks you up on a muscle car with it. <laughs> it's just, it's like eight in the morning and the guy's clearly just a mess. Eh? He's probably been up all night, way too fast. The thing's just cranked and you're in the back seat of a muscle car, which isn't a great ride anyways. You're going to school having this otherworldly experience on your way out to Castlegar. It's only 7 o'clock in the morning, buddy. <laughs> He's just rocking along. You're in the back there thinking, God, I just got out of bed. What else you got there, RJ? Oh, I got so much. I mean, uh, I don't know. I tossed in the tomatoes in the range hood. <laughs> tomatoes in the range hood? Uh, yeah, this isn't a very long one. Uh, and maybe it's not even worth keeping in, but... I was cooking dinner one day and I just decided to fry up some cherry tomatoes because they were left over and I thought they'd be good on whatever it was we were making. So one of those rare moments when I'm doing something off, off book, you know, like not oh. in the recipe and I'm oh. just like, yeah. And, and I got my, I got my spatula, right. And, uh, I'm going, okay. And I'm feeling like I'm a short order cook or something, you know, <laughs> and I, and I get the spatula under he's all got, these. He's got cooking hubris going here. I so you know, it doesn't end. Spatula. Well. They're not cherry tomatoes. They're sliced tomatoes. That's what it was. And as I get the spatula under them all, I'm going to just pick them all up all at the same time. They're going to go on somebody's sandwich or something. I don't know what I'm doing. And my hand, uh, you know, my arm lowers and my arm touches the uh, frying pan. <laughs> right. And I just have an immediate response to that which is to fling the tomatoes <laughs> into, into the hood. Yeah, and, and dinner's just being served, right? And I'm going, nobody's even noticing. I'm going, oh, well, I'm going to, th- I found one on the floor, but I think I, f- I somehow feel like there's another one that went somewhere. We have our dinner and there it is under the range hood. <laughs> a slice of tomato just sitting there. thought it was funny. That is pretty funny. It's very good. It's very good, especially against the background of your customary absolute lack of confidence in cooking. Unless you've got the script there, breathe, add salt, take another breath. Now, unless the script is there for you to go off script, I just feel like a bad result would have a lasting impact. Yeah. And to be fair, that, that, that hyper following of recipes that kind of stopped a few years back but it's still there. Like there's still elements yeah. of it there, but I, I'm much more willing to go off book Atta than I boy. used to. Yeah. So you've grown as a person. Well, I've gotten the experience of that's, cooking, you know. That's good. That's a I'm, good one. I'm cooking two thirds of the time at home pretty well. Oh, I'm still eating a lot of potatoes and frozen vegetables. Another one I got is, um, as, as you guys in the room know, Sue's mom died recently. Ah, uh, yes. And so we've been doing a, a few different things. And uh, I was on the phone to Service Canada because we have to tell Service Canada to stop the CPP payments. And I like I take great pride in my phone manner. The truth is, like anybody else, I can have my moments. And I'm on hold. I'm on hold for, for a long time. So I take my cell phone, which is on speakerphone, while I'm on home. I take it in to pour myself some coffee. And of course, that's when Jennifer answers. And Jennifer says something, something. And I say... I'm going to have to return to the office because the, the answering machine has been taking great, their, their messaging has been taking great pains to tell me to have the social insurance number handy, right? Because the call center people got to go, 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 go. Yeah. The pause for me was, don't you have it memorized? (laughs) Yes. Who's mom's social insurance number? Oh, sorry, RJ. Yes, of course. Of course. So, so I, I head back from the coffee machine and this is on speakerphone, but I forget that. So now I got the microphone up at the mouth, right? And I'm saying, I got to go back in the office. <laughs> and when she talks back, it's like at 
man. And I learned afterwards, because as you'll hear, there was a bit of an incident with this call. But I learned afterwards, because I did a test with Sue. I said, hey, Sue, let's just pretend you're a customer service person, because she was actually over at the house. So I go, okay. And I did the whole thing, and I talked to, I talk loud. Yeah. And Sue says, yeah, I can't hear a thing you're saying. It, it drops it right. Anyway, so. so It drops it. Wait, wait. Yeah, it, it cuts it right back. And they're having, you're, you're cutting out, I can't hear you. Which is weird. You think, oh, I better talk louder, right? I no, did no, no. Not know that. Yeah, because it's probably a combination of the iPhone and the cell service or whatever. But they're going, okay, this person's talking way too loud. We'll cut it down, and they cut it down too far. I anyway, didn't. That's something to be aware. That's a of. little PSA right by itself. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> anyway, we have the conversation, and it kind of works out. She's got a bit of an attitude, and she's kind of officious. But she's Service Canada. They deal with so many people every day. It's kind of understandable, right? But anyway, it's not the friendliest call, but it's good enough. So now we hang up, right? And I say to Sue, she didn't have the best phone manners. And I hear Jennifer saying, sir, you should make sure that you've hung up before you make comments like that. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, and I guess you, you could fairly have said, well, or... Maybe we could argue that it is best for me to never hang up before you hear comments like that because your phone manner is not the best. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless. You think about who they deal with too. Nonetheless. Yeah. It's a hard job. Yes. But but if you're dealing with confused older people all the time. Yeah. And you're a bit of a bully. hmm, Yes. That's not very cool. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Anyway, we closed off that conversation and I made a mental note. There is a tricky thing in the iPhone. (laughs) If you switch apps, which I had done, and you come back to your phone app, it actually takes you to a weird little screen that's not quite in your phone app. It's just weird. I I won't try to explain it. I guess it's something that you should be aware of, though. That screen shows the green call sign, which, as you know, if you have an iPhone, a green sign means you can now place a call. Yeah. A red sign means you can hang up from the call. So that thing is green. Even though the call is ongoing, you're in this weird little screen. You'll see at the upper left of your screen, at least if you have my style of iPhone, it's in a different place on different iPhones. There's a green dot it's kind of like the blue one you got when you have a GPS running in the background. Yeah. There's a green one when you have a phone running in the background. You touch that green dot, it takes you to the proper screen where the re- where the hang up is now red, which yeah. means you're on. Anyway, I know that that all may not have made perfect sense because I cut out a oh, whole bunch I, of stuff. I got the gist of it, But though. be aware. <laughs> Did as she? I learned, yeah, that's be funny. aware. You got to switch back to the proper screen. Hang up. Because <laughs> she didn't hang up. I didn't hang up. We we're both, I guess, taking notes. And she didn't, yeah, and she didn't have the grace to laugh at all or anything? No. (laughs) He says cautiously. No, she didn't. I mean, but the the way I said it was, boy, she didn't have a very, or she didn't. Yeah, so it wasn't like. Boy, she had a great phone manner, didn't she? Something like that. Well, that's kind of rude, But you didn't say, you know, like, what an effing, you know. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. Which. Yeah. But anyway, that's fun. Uh, so Jennifer, I know that you're probably not one of our <laughs> listeners, but I'm, I'm, I am deeply sorry. You know, you have a hard job and you got to deal with a lot of people and it was my fault that you couldn't hear me and, and, and so. Well, and Jennifer speaking for my own part, stop bullying <laughs> traumatized old people who are calling in because their husband of 45 years has passed away recently. So we'll invalid- grab some sensitivity for God's sake. I believe we've invalidated the whole apology at this point. But, no, yeah. you apologize okay. sincerely for your part. For my part, I'm saying grab some empathy there, Jennifer. Come on. If you deal with a faceless bureaucracy when you're traumatized by life, come on. I really do have to do something about my media management too. It's not... It's not cool. Call, call, call. Yeah. And some of it is good. Like I have somebody that I follow that does plants. You, you talked about, it's just great. Every day there's like, you might like this person, Mo, but at the Notorious RBF, it's an avid gardener. She gets really smoking hot on political and special racial issues. And she just has this encyclopedic gardening knowledge, tomatoes in particular. And this is a YouTube thing? Or? No, uh, a Twitter. And oh. every day, she, pretty much every day, she posts pictures of what's coming up, 
you know, oh, I put these seeds in. Normally I soak these overnight, but we're going to get a couple days rain. So I'm sticking them straight in the something, something wax bean. And she uses the, the Latin terms, you know, the biology terms for lots of her stuff. And it's really just pretty interesting because I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And it's such a relief to get away from people are horrible or Donald Trump is horrible. Mm. Instead, you're just looking at, oh, here comes a pepper coming up, <laughs> you know? And, oh, here's a little video of a squirrel or a chipmunk. Do I have to guard my tomatoes? And so then I was able to send your video of the guy who built the squirrel. Wasn't that fun? Oh, my good Lord, that was really fun. So I sent that to her. And she came back and just said, don't, don't try to make me like squirrels. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. So there's stuff in there that's really like some days, some days Twitter makes me laugh 10 or 12 times, really big gut laughs. Eh? But other days like this week, just awful. And I have to figure out some way to moderate my consumption so that it's a bit more well-rounded and a bit less oppressive. Mm-hmm. Right. I think. Cause you start to get the feeling that. Yep. That everything's yeah. hell. Yeah. And that's, that is, I think, a valid PSA for anybody who uses social mm-hmm. media. And since we mentioned it, we'll, we'll post a link to the squirrel video. Yeah. Possibly the best video ever made on the internet, yeah. in my opinion. It's way up there. I mean. God, the guy's just so fun, isn't he? Yeah. He's fun, he's smart, and he's a, he's a real pro too, right? Yeah. Though you think about all the stuff he set up to do that. But the thing that blew me and, and was listeners to do that. All it is, is he set up a, uh, a nin- obstacle course, ninja, <laughs> ninja obstacle course for squirrels, you know, that ends in them being able to get walnuts, but they have to go through a lot to get there. And he videos the entire experience. It's yeah. and, and the stuff they can do is what really floored me. In Fantastic. There. I just could not believe the things. Oh, how they figure it out. Well, and just the things they can do, like jumping eight feet or 10 feet and landing in a little hole that's about the size of their body. Right. Holy Because there's flying squirrels, which of course don't fly, but they coast really well, glide. And and it turns out that squirrels of all squirrels have a gliding capability. Amazing. Not exactly gliding, but they... In the video, he says they can fall from any height and not be hurt. They don't exactly glide. Well, they make themselves into a little parachute and that's close enough in my opinion, but yeah. It's, it's just, it reduces their rate of fall. It's still pretty much straight down, but it is incredible. If that, if your point is it's incredible, agree a hundred, it's incredible. Yeah. And what we watch them is they, 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 we watch them falling sideways. And of course, if you have a parachute effect, you're going to fall, you're going to go a little bit more lateral. That's all. But yeah, you wouldn't call it like a glider by any means, but it certainly I guess that's true. Reduces kind of cranking their tail around yeah, to get it changes, some stability. Yeah. It changes the uh, it, the slope. It's yeah. a fantastic video to watch. It's super amusing oh. and also super <laughs> interesting. I, I, yeah. He starts right off with the ladder, <laughs> that little twisty ladder that they oh, have to yeah. be on, which is a, a kind of a scam at the at, at the um, amusement. Parks. Amusement parks, yeah. yeah. Well, he's he's done videos on that, apparently. According to the little write-up that came with it, he's done yeah. long videos on the games at the amusement parks and which ones are completely unwinnable and yeah. which ones yeah. are reasonable to hope you can actually do something. Well, I also, have you seen the one that just came out yesterday or the day before of the guy that starts out just shooting the basketball? It's a Rube Goldberg machine. Uh-uh. Very clever because it's all outdoors. And it's all with material that is like in his yard, but he, he must live on five acres or something. And this thing just goes on and it's just him shooting a basketball and the basketball goes through this whole thing that he's built. Rather, I want to see that one too. You know what I want to do? I want to strap my GoPro onto one of the dogs. I really want to figure that out. I don't know how to do it. I think I probably need one of those kind of harnesses where that yeah, leash attaches to the back yeah yeah i yeah. don't have one of those but i'd i think that would be a lot of fun oh, come on make something out of uh, paper mache skitty <laughs> well and i tweeted something about that the other day too somebody said uh, how's everybody doing with their stock of toilet paper must and be my, good by now right like well, you, yes it's I, easy to find in the supermarket yes, yesterday i was in a shopper's drug mart and they had it to- toilet paper and paper towel just regular brands too not some weird Latvian brand of... Did some people end up running out? I don't know, but I've seen videos of people attempting to do returns. 
<laughs> and being told to get stuffed. <laughs> they, should be. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, they should be. With your truckload. <laughs> yeah. No, and my response was, you know, how's everybody doing with their stockpile? And my response was, look for oddly flimsy clothing design. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? With a whole barn load of toilet paper, like make clothing out of it. Maybe. Oh, right. It just dissolves yeah. in the rain or I don't know what, but <laughs> they got to figure out something to do with it because some people really have to have just a crazy supply of uh, <laughs> toilet paper. And I guess it's shade, shade, how do you pronounce Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. 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 Yeah. To hope that they have half their living room full of it and yeah. it takes them forever to... Well, no, you go beyond that. You hope that the mice find it in the back of the pile someplace and start <laughs> nesting in there. There you overrun go. with mice. And That's what we want. No to visible change to the pile, but somewhere back there, there's mouse empire. You know, there's this massive <laughs> thing of shredded up tissue paper. Well, just paper. three days ago, I went into, Susan actually texted me. She says, uh, oh, because we have uh, somebody moved in for a month, a single guy. Oh, which is great, actually, because, you know, everything's empty around here. So I thought, oh, should we, I thought we should have some Lysol wipes down there just waiting for him or something, if that's, and I tell, you know, Dylan, look, when you go shopping for me, you know, Lucy, look, Susan, I get a text from Susan, she says, down at the pharmacy at First and Commercial, you can go in and they'll give you one, but you have to ask for it. <laughs> I thought, okay. So, and I was just, I went and bought smoke. So I went in and I said, do you have any uh, uh, sanitization wiping? Oh, uh, look. He says, oh, here's one. Are we saving this for somebody? He says, <laughs> oh, it's yours. He says, last one, buck 99. Uh, so there they are right there, skinny. Just wait. Which well, I thought, and so, but they're out of those. So, I mean, yeah. I think they're. Sue saw a whole bunch of wipes. They're, they're really making their way back into the stores now. I'm super uh, pleased with our yeah. supply chain efforts. Here's one for you, boys. I, I was on our list and I've just now been reminded of it. I don't know about anybody else, but I did do some reorganizing in the house. You know, you're kind of laying around in there and you're pretty sick of everything. So you think, maybe I should wallow in a little less crapulence here and reorganize. So you do that. You get your bags ready. Well, Big Brother's not picking up. Canadian diabetes, not picking up. I got like four or five bags of stuff and I haven't even finished with the reorganizing. You start thinking about it. All the pieces. So, you know, we've talked in this podcast before about the number of people making bread. Mm. I believe we've mentioned the number of people whose interest in gardening has blossomed. <laughs> Tip your waitress. And I'm thinking a lot of people will have decided that they need to reorganize their stuff and they need to cull their clothing collections and nobody's picking up. And I'm thinking the day those guys, just think, the day Big Brothers and everybody say, okay, we're I'm hoping they've booked warehouse space in Peru or someplace, like a gigantic <laughs> yeah. space, because they're just going to have just this river of stuff. Yeah. Think about it. Like, I'm, I always say I'm the average guy, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not, but I got like, honestly, four or five big honking black garbage bags full of clothing. And I'm just, just me and Haley in there. Just think about. Like they're all doing it out there. Right? Families and yeah. everybody's doing. I think the mother of all yard sales must be coming. Sue tells me Value Village picks up. Really? Yes. Okay, because I did do a quick check the other day, but I didn't get to Value. I would, I, cause I, I would I'm, like to get rid of this. Stuff. I said that wrong, though. I said picks up. You'd go drop it off. You can it drop off. it off. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. well, maybe I should look into that because I oh, really would like to get rid of it. I, I mean, yeah, I guess you could call them, but the Union Gospel Mission, because they have a thrift store down there. You go to the back door, ring the bell, and yeah. I would think that they would probably Secret take anything. Shake, yeah. Well, I look into it. It just occurred to me as I was fretting over all this that there must be a huge backlog of donation and a huge backlog of yard sale, too, really. Well, that's an interesting thing, too, eh? Like, Jute phoned me the other day, probably phoned you guys, too, about a gathering in Christina Lake uh, this summer, late July. And it raised questions with me, not so much specifically about him, but in general, we had a really good conversation, by the way, which I really enjoyed. It's a lot of fun. Those guys, when they plan it, they're actually thinking about how big is the yeah. area? How far can people be spaced? So they're clearly taking care to um, yeah. minimize uh, the risks. It's right on the Kettle River, right across from the golf course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, big, beautiful area, and there's lots of room for people to keep nicely spaced. We know for a fact that 
some people won't really care about the two meter thing, but I often have trouble remembering personal distancing myself. I, I get excited. I'm talking. I get too close to people. I throw in alcohol. There's oh, just yeah. no way I'm going to be distant. That's just not going to happen. You and, see me. Well, you know, like, yeah, it's just. <laughs> I'm thinking this throttling process, you don't technically need people to understand anything about why you're doing it. You just need an average number of people following it. If some people are not following it at all, that's still, I mean, they should follow it but they won't, but it's still being throttled. Like the, the cool thing, the interesting thing is how well do they do it? And they have, we have a good trust factor with, I'd say two thirds of British Columbians. They know Bonnie Henry's name and they think she's cool. And they she wrote the book. She literally wrote a book on this stuff just two years ago. And so that's all good. So I think, I think we're in good shape. Whether any one person's going to be in good shape is... Well, yeah, this is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I agree with you. I do think that it is throttling. I do think that they they know, let's say you could quantify, which you can't, but let's just say they said, we can afford to back off quarantining or social distancing by 10%. We know that that's going to result in about a 20% increase in whatever diagnoses or deaths or whatever. We just know that a bunch of people are not going to pay attention. They're not paying attention now. And we know that as soon as we back off 10%, people are going to, a certain number of people are going to go right to 100% and a certain, they know all this stuff. And so when they announce a 10% slackening, they anticipate a 20% behavioral change kind of thing. You know what I mean? But the part that I was just trying to get at was I I could be wrong, but I, I feel like people misperceive terms, misunderstand terms like herd immunity. And they misunderstand that when the government says it is okay to back off, it's not because we're safer. It's, it's just not. You know, okay, now we're going to allow groups of up to 20. Well, great. That's not because we're safer. Yeah. It's because we have capacity to deal with more people getting sick. It doesn't much under, matter that they don't understand it really. I guess it doesn't, but it, except for I don't want anybody who gets sick feeling aggrieved that the government told them it was oh, safe. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's because true. It has, isn't. Hasn't the government said you shouldn't be going out to your cabin? Yeah. You still. should stay. You, you shouldn't be going yeah. traveling. And the thing that Jute's talking about is everybody came from everywhere. Yeah. Everybody has to There travel. is that too. I didn't, which is, didn't get to but that. Yeah. It's also the end of July, which... Yeah. There is all of that. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and he said they'll anymore. they'll play it by ear. You know, yeah. right up to the last moment, you yeah. won't know, right? Yeah. yeah. But and at our age, people can usually go. Eh, okay, I'll go. Yeah. yeah. And I I was pretty much ah, no, I don't, I won't. Just I probably will not. Just because I'm chicken, and I think by the end, I really think until there's a vaccine, it's just things will really be different. Oh, I got, I know we're running late and everything, but I got to bring up Mongolia. You guys heard about their stuff going on there? No. Mongolia. So Mongolia is a poor country. It's one that I personally don't often think of. Like I often think, you know, we can talk about Russia. We could talk about China. I end up mentally thinking there, there, there's nothing between them, you know? Well, I always thought Mongolia was part of China. I know, but it's not. It's its own oh country God. that we just never think of. That's embarrassing. And you're going, well, it's home Me of too. Genghis Khan. You're going, oh, it's got to be super crowded, just like China. Actually, it's, it's one of the least dense yeah. areas of the world, maybe similar to Canada, maybe anyway. And they're poor, so they get a lot of aid. They've had zero cases. And they have a daily flight from Wuhan into Mongolia. And they have regular trains from Russia. And Russia's had a lot of infections. They've had zero. And they just like were on top of it from day one. Like they knew it was happening in Wuhan because they they're really close to Wuhan. Yeah. At least from a business point of view, they're close. And they just like everybody wears a mask. It's not a choice. Yeah. It's not you got your personal freedom. I don't like masks. I know everybody wears yeah. masks. They had all the rules going on and they're doing, they're doing very, very well. So it's just kind of, a, kind of impressive. It is interesting. That whole, funny. We haven't heard more about that actually. I know very little. I just read an article about it just a few days ago and yeah, it's, it's fun to have that conversation about authoritarian regi- regimes 
because or places where the populace is in the habit of being obedient. They simply, it's a cultural fact that they tend to obey authority more uh, religiously or rigorously in lots of places than right. they do here. Even if they're not authoritarian, yeah, it's a cultural like thing. South yeah. Korea or Japan. Japan, you know, they've done so well. It's just, yeah. They say, if the government says wear masks, they just wear masks. That's what you're supposed to do. They say yeah. don't steal stuff. They don't steal stuff. They they mm-hmm. just do. When it. it comes to people not understanding things like herd immunity, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that a good third of the public in BC doesn't understand that masks are to prevent you transmitting to others. Yeah. And so I think because I think there's just so many people out there not wearing them and yeah, and I I I regard them because I'm pretty ignorant about their effectiveness. Let's say that again. I'm pretty ignorant about their effectiveness. They're the number one thing, I believe, in places like Japan. The number one reason that they have few infections is That's masks. just amazing. See, and, it's, I and, just it's, and it's the outward bound effect. Yeah. It's like, I actually coughed in the grocery store the other day. Because I don't know about you guys. Have you coughed inside a mask? Yeah. Okay. All right. I just haven't been coughing lately. And so. Yeah, me either. But I, I, was, I, I always have this vision of the shop towel just blasting open, <laughs> getting all wet or something but well, it, it so just it sure it worked so well i mean you. i did kind of hold on to it just i was, so I was then, pretty self-conscious but it just yeah. and nothing it just so if the car dealership does open up shuttle maybe if they just make everybody who gets in wear a mask i'll be okay oh there should be no questioning it like i was told by the by the eye doctor yeah, if you're coming in, you got to wear a mask. So, well, my doctor and same thing with the, the hospitals. They tell you, yep, yeah. Well, that's sort of encouraging. So I, I will get. I've been pretty good about it, but I'll get better about it if that's like anytime I'm going to a store. Pretty much, I'll wear the mask just because I don't want side eye from other people. Yeah, I don't mind if I'm wearing it and somebody gives me a look because I'm all ready to have that conversation. Oh, really? Do you want me to cough in your face? Because you don't know where I've been. This is for you, you idiot. Get out of my face. Mm. Well, I would never say that, but that's that's the Mm. mental self-defense that makes you be immune to side-eye for wearing it. If you're not wearing it, you feel like you're being judged because you're being careless of other people. That's Mm. a little harder to brush off yourself, you know. You guys have salad spinners? No. KJ? Uh, Susan does. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a salad guy, but yeah. I am growing lettuce. There you go. Oh boy. Oh, well. <laughs> no, notorious, uh, RBF, R- the notorious RBF all over, uh, lettuce too, just so you know. Uh, salad spinning is kind of therapeutic though. It's kind of cool, isn't it? You know, fun. Do a little bit of soaking of the lettuce and. More than maybe you need. Yeah, probably. Because you can just blast it off. But just the, the whole spin. idea that you're spinning it and you got that crank or whatever. So, uh, our Copco salad spinner. Now Copco is a company, I don't know if you think about Copco much anymore. C-O-P-C-O. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah. I don't recall having spent a lot of time thinking about it in the past. <laughs> yeah, There's been know. no change there. I don't me. know. They were big in the seventies or eighties, I'd say. And we have a Copco spice rack and, uh, <laughs> and you go on eBay and <laughs> Copco <laughs> spice racks are like oh, $150 <laughs> or whatever, you know? And this Copco, it's plastic. I mean, how could it last? But finally, after 35 years, the Copco salad spinner is no longer working. And first of all, how could a salad spinner work that long? We use it weekly at least. But anyway. That probably means you don't overload it and you're not super avid about getting up to 3,000 RPM. Because uh, that's what I use them for. We get I want to hear high. that humming noise. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> get it up high. And I, and I was a little rough on it. I kind of... <laughs> pop on the top to get it to engage properly and i think i hit it too hard and all of a sudden it's so the gears aren't engaging and i've popped that thing open so i don't know we might get it back working again but in the meantime i bought a new model of salad spinner and they don't have the crank they have a pusher oh they spin slower oh it's very very disappointing that you mean like the old tops remember the toy tops that used to have you push the thing make it spin oh that's just and I think they could engineer a faster spinning seed, but I speed up, but I think the plastic gears doesn't take it. So yeah. Yeah. Come on. I mean, we get precious little fun in life. Can they not just make salad spinners more fun? Do they have to make them? Come on. 
So I returned that to London Drugs yeah, yesterday. Yeah, with an angry note, I hope. And we got a new model that's got a crank on it. We're very excited. <laughs> haven't tried it out yet. It's a little smaller. It does spin fast. I haven't actually used it <laughs> oh, yet. Boy, aren't yeah. you? You're going to get, you know, gerbils or anything? Oh, I don't know. But <laughs> Let's go to the fair. <laughs> you get to watch the water kind of. It's clear now. Our old one isn't clear. So now we get to watch the oh, water spring. That's up. very satisfying. I don't have one of those. It's, I'm like, I got to go about... At five, unless I get to chat about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We're at the end of another episode. I hope that was as fun for you guys as it was for us. It is always a pleasure to just go on and on in here. If you've heard stuff in here that you want to know more about or disagree with, maybe not if you disagree. If you want to hear more about stuff, let us know. If you want to amplify our understanding, as we have heard, we've actually heard some corrections on the number of senators and how they're distributed, too. I missed that in listener mail. We'll cover that one. That was another Lee email. I thought you were going to get there, and it was only now, as I'm winging it, that it occurs to me we did have that. It will get to that soon in an upcoming episode. We'll cover that. Send us stuff. If you've got things we need to know, send us stuff. If you've got questions you want us to find out about, you could try that. RJ's usually all over that. I'll just sign him up to do your research. Take care of yourselves, though. Make sure that you maintain your social distance. Make sure that you understand as much as you can, as anyone can, the risks that you take in your day-to-day life. And that way, we can all expect to meet here again soon. Meantime, have fun. Bye.